When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burse. As always, I'm here with my co-host, the A to Z Sports writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Arch Podcast. And if you want to listen to that regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed uh, on Apple, Spotify, and rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now as we speak, and we are live on YouTube. Go to the YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the like button, do all of that, and then you won't miss these live streams. And if you watch the live streams, you can participate in the show, comment, and we react to the comments and we talk to the folks that are watching. It's great. So join in, be a part of the show, and share the show uh, with your friends if you would like to. At Charlie underscore Burroughs, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, Nashville. On the old social medias and a to z sports.com for the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. We are officially getting into sort of the valley uh, after college football season going into the height of basketball season. I think finally, Zach, this weekend, we got like a lot of the Tennessee fan base engaged in basketball. It felt like it, it felt like finally it was like, all right, I'm going to tune in top 10 game. Let's go beat Texas, be the real UT, which Tennessee did. We're going to talk about it. Um, but it, it just felt like we kind of turned, turned a corner on the old uh, sports seasons here. Yeah. And uh, just before we jumped on here, I, I saw on Twitter, somebody posted something from a, I guess a Kentucky message board, a lot of Wildcats fans getting annoyed that, Tennessee keeps uh, being shown on college game day, whether it's football, uh, Lady Vols basketball, men's basketball. I said even if uh, they wouldn't be surprised if they create a baseball college game day for this spring when when Tennessee uh, <laughs> takes the field in February for the baseball. So some opposing fan bases are not too happy that Tennessee's getting all this attention. But, hey, that's what happens when you're in the top five of, like, every single sport that matters. That is the way it goes when you are – Top five in football when you are uh, now top two in basketball. Tennessee now number two in the AP poll as of today. Uh, what else? No, Obviously, uh, Gary, baseball Gary, top two. Yeah, Gary Parrish would not have Tennessee in number two. In oh, Lordy. Basketball rankings. Did you see that? I did. Pa- Parrish had Tennessee at what? Like, was five it five? Or six. I think it was five. Yeah. And did not drop Alabama at all after getting destroyed by Oklahoma. I I mean obviously I got a ton of thoughts about this and we're going to talk about the the title of this show is why I personally think Tennessee 
uh, is a legit title contender this year. And I, I kind of want to fight back against a little bit of that postseason Rick Barnes, postseason S. Every Tennessee fan, if you if they're if they're you know the real negative type, as I can be, I certainly can be that type of fan. But that's all you hear is, "Well, they're good right now, but then the postseason and deb-. and I, that's what I want to address in in this episode. We're going to talk about why I think they might be a little bit different in light of what's happened so far in the season. But Parrish, man, he just, whew, uh, I think he's a Memphis guy. Um, but also is a national writer for CBS for college basketball. And he just doesn't want to give give up the ghost. <laughs> Tennessee just, you know, doesn't matter that they're 18 and three and, uh, you know, top 10 win, whatever. Losses uh, don't matter to him is basically that's right. his, his explanation. Yes. You you can get beat by 30 by an unranked team. We're not going to drop beat Houston. That, 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 Carries you all season long, apparently. Exactly. That's the greatest win in college basketball right there, and Alabama has it. Uh, all right. Well, we're, as I said, we're going to get into basketball beating Texas, but also at the basketball game, it was another big recruiting day for Tennessee football. Josh Heupel actually spoke at the game. We're going to talk about that and uh, kind of what happened um, and, and the players that were here and what it might mean for Tennessee. We'll also talk about some things might happen with this in real time. I, I don't know, but the the kid from Ole Miss, the cornerback from Ole Miss, Igbenosin, um, and uh, his status with Tennessee at the moment, we'll go into what the latest news is. And outside of that, we we might let, let's we can go ahead and do this right now. Let's drop a line to JT Shroud. Uh, and honestly, RIP to his college football career because he's going back to play for Butch Jones at Arkansas State, but we had that to throw in at the very end, and I have that note here. Poor poor JT. <sighs> Don't go back. Don't go back to Butch. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about all the latest Tennessee news, but first got to tell you, as always, about the amazing sponsor of this show. They keep us going, folks. Superbook Sports. The final drive for the championship is here, and there's no better place to wager on the football title tilt. Than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds making experience in Las Vegas, there is no better place to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 Eight eight nine nine seven eight nine. That is super book. Um, for the folks that know about the rules of uh, professional football, in an ad read, we cannot mention the game that is happening in a couple of weeks by name, or else they'll they'll come for us. Uh, so I'll just say, go download Superbook Sports and bet on the game that you know that I'm talking about because uh, it's the best place. To do that, thank you to Superbook Sports. All righty. Now, Tennessee basketball. They go out. Thompson Bowling Arena against number 10, Texas. And they beat the brakes off those boys. I mean, Texas is a good basketball team with, I mean, some really solid players there. I mean, Carr uh, was supposed to be or is one of the best uh, guards in America, got shut down 
in that game. Tennessee wins by 11 points. It's really, <laughs> I've listened to some analysis of this game. Everybody has said this, but it's just true. The final score is not indicative of really how that game went. Uh, but did you uh, did you see this game, Zach? Your your sort of first watch thoughts on it? Yeah, I was uh, I was in and out a bit in the first half. My kid had a, a basketball tournament that that kind of got a little out of hand thanks to some some unruly <laughs> parents. Just the, the world of youth sports I have di- discovered over the last you know three to four years is completely insane. But yeah, it was I mean. It kind of reminded me, uh, you know, like the uh, the Kentucky football game where you're kind of not sure how it's going to go. It's kind of getting built up as a big game. And then they just come in there and throttle Texas. I mean, it was like you said, it wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Really huge win for Tennessee to do that on a big recruiting weekend with game day in town. All the attention It's getting to be that time of year where you got some big Saturday night games going on. And this was certainly, you know, one of the biggest games of the day. All the attention was kind of on Tennessee all day. I mean, they had college game day there starting at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Had Joe Milton out there and basketball team and a lot of great exposure for the recruits to see all that. Tony Vitello sitting courtside. I mean, it's I mean, Tennessee is the place to be right now. Right. I mean, like we mentioned at the start of the show, every everything's ranked high. Basketball's number two. But baseball is, I believe, number two. Uh, football should have been number five, finished number six. So really couldn't have, couldn't have gone any better and really solidified Tennessee as a national championship contender. And you heard that from the Texas coach after the game. You know, they're a Final Four team, absolutely. So once you get to a tournament, anything happens. And kind of with you, you mentioned, you know, kind of pushing back on some of the Rick Barnes March stuff. Just look at where Tennessee's been you know, before Barnes got there, the inconsistency, uh, the up and down, you know, from Pearl to Conzo and, and the short Donnie Tyndall area or era, he's just brought so much steadiness to the program. And though he hasn't got over the hump, but how many college basketball coaches have, especially in recent years? I mean, look at what UNC, UNC went to the, the finals last year, but they kind of just got hot at the right time. You saw kind of the real UNC this year where they're not really even a top 25 team or, maybe kind of a fringe top 25 team or you see Duke and the way that they've fallen off after coach K's left. I mean, they're nowhere close to what they want. Tennessee's right there in the top five. I mean, you can't, you really can't ask for much more than what you're getting from, from Tennessee basketball and Barnes. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing to, to lose in the tournament, but I think it is time that we move past, you know, judging Barnes solely off of that because what happens in March it's, it's probably not ever going to cost him his job at this point. I think he's got too much equity built up at Tennessee. And for what he's accomplished, I think that's the right, you know, the, the right approach. You can't emphasize enough how difficult it is to win a title in college basketball. Um, and, you know, I, I give Rick a hard time. It is, it's chronicled on this podcast. He got that $5 million pay raise or he's making $5 million after he flirted with UCLA. I was pretty critical of him because the next season he went out and he laid a stinker and it was pretty bad. And, you know, I was, I was like, all right, you're making big money. He, at the time he was making more money than like Bill Self and, uh, and like some dudes that have won national titles. And I was like, let's, let's go. This is not how it works when you make 5 million bucks and you get this big raise and we keep you in town. This is not $5 million basketball. And in the season since then, he, I guess it's just been two, but he has just, I mean, 
you can't say enough about what he's done. Obviously, won an SEC championship and then got bounced uh, earlier than he probably should have in the NCAA tournament last year. But you know, I I have just been so impressed with the way that he sort of answered that call and just got in back to back years two of the best teams in America. And you know, this season, obviously, what we're going to kind of go into is how they stack up nationally this season is where I wanted to go with this conversation, but we'll get there in a second. But just in terms of how he has taken this Tennessee team and kept it so strong, uh, despite like losing Kennedy Chandler, losing the two great, you know, young five stars that were on that relatively bad team that lost to Oregon State in the first round. Um, and uh, you know, he, he's just done it and it's incredibly impressive. And there's, there's some to be said again about how difficult it is to win a national title. Cause you look back at like a Jay Wright, you know, he's the last, the last great gangster of college basketball. He retired last year. That team fell off an absolute cliff. They stink this year after they won two national titles in the last few years and don't and also don't forget this, Jay Wright for the longest time was sort of considered like, oh, he's the best coach to never win a national championship. Like that was hanging over his head until he finally did it. And he always had that moniker. Now it's kind of Mark Few. Honestly, it might be Mark Few at Gonzaga, and it might be Rick Barnes. Honestly, I think Rick is contending for the title at the moment. Uh, and and it doesn't happen until it happens. You know, guys have had that reputation and overcome it. It's absolutely uh overcomable. Um, with the right guy in the right circumstances, so much of it, so much of the tournament is about like matchups and luck is honestly a big part of it. Uh, you know, sometimes you just end up playing like you remember back like Conzo Martin, that team that he took to the Sweet 16 should have played Duke in the second round and they played Mercer instead because Mercer upset Duke. Like sometimes that stuff just happens. Basketball is a very tenuous sport, and I and Rick is just. <sighs> I, I don't I don't know. I know a lot of people are like, it's postseason or it's nothing. And if he doesn't win, uh, get to the Elite Eight, fire this guy. Fine. You're you're allowed to feel however you want to feel, but he's gotten a lot of equity with me. And I and I'm, you know, I, I really think he might have a, a real team this season. Yeah, th- my perception on it, like like you said, it had changed as well. I, I used to kind of feel that way too, especially if he, you know, exit in the first or second round, but You've seen so many great teams that that's happened to and so many guys that it does take them forever to kind of break through. If you're in a top five, top 10, top 15 every single year, I mean, you're you're a good coach. It's not like college football where, you know, you've only got 12 games and one loss, you know, puts you out of the postseason picture and that's kind of how you're judged. It's just not that way. If you're consistent through the season like Barnes has been, it's just really not much that, that you can criticize at this point uh, when it comes to the postseason stuff, especially after winning the SEC championship. But, yeah, th- this does really feel to me like maybe his best chance just because of the defense because, yep. you know, that's uh, – I-, I can't remember if it was you or, or somebody pointed out, and I hadn't really thought about it this way. It, m- it might have been you that tweeted it. Like, that's something that you can count on every single night. And you don't – you know, you can't – you can't predict really when a bad shooting night's going to happen, like like the game against Kentucky. Like you just don't know when that's going to happen. But that defense is something that you can control, and it's, it's there every single day, and you can count on it. And that, to me, really is what gives me confidence that they will make a deep tournament run, uh, because 
you know, you, you got that to fall back on. Obviously, you can't have a game like you had against Kentucky, um, but hopefully that was the outlier. That was a weird, kind of a weird vibe around that game. I think we kind of knew, you know, Kentucky's not going to lay down. They kind of got hit rock bottom, and, and they, they were challenging each other, and they responded well. They started playing better in general after that. I know they lost to Kansas this weekend, but they still have been playing better since then. So Kentucky was never just going to fade away completely. There was way too much talent there. So that game, yeah. while it's a tough loss, I don't put a ton of stock into it because it's not like they lost to a team that had no talent and it was just inexplicable. Uh, I mean, so that, you know. Uh, honestly, when I when I see what happened in this Texas game, and I and what I think it kind of means for where this team can go in the future. It's why I was so deeply offended by that Kentucky game. Because you look at how good this team is, how deep and how skilled and how tenacious and how much effort they went out and they got out efforted, which to me was just so gross. Like I was just like, this is not how do you let this happen with with the hallmark of this team being what happened in that Texas game. They went out and they gave Texas such a hard time. And and to Texas' credit, to score, what, 71 against Tennessee, the way that Tennessee played that day, all credit to them. They they really played one of the best games that a team has against Tennessee this season and still lost by double digits. Um, Because even, like, Kentucky didn't play a good game that day. Again, that's why I was so deeply offended. Like, I was like, this is so antithetical to everything about this team what the hell happened and it was just ugh. um but this hopefully this is the turning point of the season where they got to figure it out because of two things and i and i want to talk about a, a comment here and there, there's a bunch of people watching i appreciate everybody dropping in uh i see chris big tin jeff of course is in here mr jones dylan uh z adams they're all watching we appreciate it guys thanks for commenting hanging out uh but z adams he says we shoot well from three. We can't be beat. You just can't depend on that mm-hmm. in March. So that's true to a certain extent. I think this Texas game is really an example of where you can circumvent that, though, because it was Olivier Kamal's game. They they switched in the last, I don't know, week, two weeks. They switched Olivier Kamal to five. So he's playing legit center. And he went out against Texas, and he's so spotty. It's like... He'll put up 12 and seven rebounds. And then the very next game, he's no nowhere to be found. You know, three points and one rebound. And just, you know, it's been like that. I mean, the, pretty much the entire time he's been at Tennessee, coming off an injury from last year, he missed most of the season. But he went out there and dropped in 27 points, got a bunch of rebounds, was such a linchpin of everything that was happening. And this is where you can circumvent that. Because as you said, Zach, night in and night out, this team is going to play ridiculous defense unless they just have a lapse like against Kentucky where for some reason they got out effort like I said out hustled um that defense is going to be there the numbers on this defense I want to get into this too in a second sort of the ins and outs of that defense the numbers on this defense are unreal it is statistically at or according to Ken Pomeroy kenpom.com it is the best defense in the history of his 20 plus year rating system uh so that's going to be there but the offense when you can get Olivier Kamwa working, things change totally. You're not relying on threes. You don't have to rely uh, on on Vescovy and Ziegler to make threes or, or Triple J. But I mean, in this game, the perfect inside-out action with Kamwa playing so well, like it was just such a threat and stretches the defense. 
and and makes it so much harder to guard what Tennessee is doing on the offensive end when you have that legit threat down low. I mean, he just couldn't miss. He's not going to play like that every night. I mean, that was the best game of his entire career at Tennessee. But that changes everything. And if you could get play like that out of him, like Kennedy Chandler last year down the stretch took this turn just you know later in the season where it was just like, whoa, watch this dude play basketball because it's an absolute joy. He was running the floor so well. And hopefully, if you could get that out of Olivia Kama and not have to rely on threes, I don't want to say this team is like borderline unbeatable, but to have that reliable score that isn't a perimeter shooter is, I mean, I don't think that you could overstate the value of that. It's incredible because obviously the shots that he's taking are so much higher percentage shots. The chance of him making those, it's like when you had Grant to just pass the ball right down to the block and there's like, a 75% chance he's going to figure out a way to get the ball in the hoop. And that it just is such a game changer offensively. And you pair that with this defense. Come on. That's yeah, that's real, man. That's real for sure. I mean, that really was, I mean, the more you talk about it, there really is like the recipe to winning in March was this game because the difference in the game was Kamwa's 27 points and, and the rebounds. I mean, they out rebounded yeah. Texas by, by 15 but threes, I mean, they they shot 31%. Texas shot like 28, 29%. They, they hit, what was it, one more three than Tennessee on a couple more attempts. Turnovers were similar. So, I mean, that really was the difference, being able to score inside, out-rebounding Texas. And, again, that's that's a lot easier to maintain than getting hot from, from beyond the three-point line and, and counting on that. So, yeah, they got a lot of different ways that they can, that they can beat teams. And I think that's what makes them so dangerous. I mean, and, and Ziegler right now, he's the best point guard in the SEC. He was the SEC, SEC player of the week this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he's playing at a total other level. He's playing at a level that I'm not – I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he's been in this last stretch. And the kid's a sophomore. Yeah, go <laughs> win a championship. Go win a championship. And to me, he's a better story than uh, wild. Stetson Bennett at Georgia, especially considering yes. – Stetson Bennett's off-field issues, which we have not talked nearly enough. We can discuss that at some other time. But yeah. she missed that he got arrested for for being drunk in public. And Idiot. Yeah, not a, uh, not a good month for him. But Ziegler, I mean, yeah, what a story for, for a guy that was just – you didn't really expect anything out of. He wasn't a highly touted recruit coming in. He was just a guy that you didn't really think about, and he's turned into one of the best players in the SEC. It, and yeah. just a tremendous story. It really is incredible. He's such a tough kid. Like he's just yeah. so pesky on defense. I mean, that that's that's the best part about him. He's turned into a real force on offense. He runs a floor incredibly effectively. He's had three double doubles in the last three weeks, I think. Um, maybe the last month. And, you know, been so great at facilitating and running the floor. But then on defense, the kid is just I, I love Tennessee basketball. They <laughs> they posted a video this past week uh of all the steals he had in a game um and they played the it's from some kids cartoon show and it was like swiper stop swiping <laughs> and they played that you you have a kid maybe you know i whatever it was from no, but it made or he's gra graduated past a lot of that stuff that's true yeah he's a little older than that yeah. now but not not even a little he's a lot older than that now but uh regardless it it really is crazy but the the thing that I wanted, oh, Jeff says it's Door of the Explorer. Shout out to Door of the Explorer. Yeah. That's even still on. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I thought this was an interesting conversation to kind of end, end this up, and then we can move on to the recruiting for football that was happening at this basketball game. 
Uh, but uh, the defense for this team on the Ken Palm rankings, I'm looking at it here. For uh, the first time in Ken Palm's rating system, Tennessee is the number one team. Uh, and Ken Palm rates offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. They have a, a luck rating and some things like that. It's an, it's an interesting rating system, but Tennessee is number one at the moment over Houston. UCLA is three. Purdue is four. Um, obviously, Purdue is number one in AP poll currently. But uh, so Tennessee here at the moment, they are tied for the best defensive efficiency in the history of this rating. They are tied with the 2019 Texas Tech team. Um, at uh, 84.1 efficiency points. I don't have to go into what all of that means, but it is the best in the history of this rating. It goes all the way back to 2002. Now, the thing about that Texas Tech team is that they went all the way to the national championship game. They lost, but they made it all the way to the national championship game, ironically, with Chris Beard as their coach, <laughs> who he might not be coaching for a while uh, since he's an idiot. But uh, that, that team played unbelievable defense now the team that everybody goes back to that they've been kind of trying to compare is virginia uh who won the national championship that season and um that that team technically that texas tech team played better defense than that virginia team did but everybody remembers that virginia team did team because they were so hard-nosed and they just they beat everybody like they never blew anybody out they always just won by like five points you know it, and it was always close but the the difference here is that tennessee plays with more possessions they don't play as what would you call it like just drag ass basketball <laughs> they play with a higher pace they they try more transition but on in terms of offensive efficiency that virginia national championship team had a better offense um than this tennessee team does and so it kind of comes back to where can you find the offense for this team? Because to reach that level, obviously you're, you're, you're playing defense at the elitist elite level. You're playing defense at a level that is better than teams that have won a national championship. So how do you find that scoring? And I think you saw it this weekend. It presented itself. It's Olivier Kama. It is. It's Toby Awaka. Maybe it's Jonas Adu. It's Euros Plavsic if he can score and not be an idiot out there. <laughs> you know, keep keep his cool, keep his emotions in check. Um, you know, it it just really that's the formula. Uh, because as we've already been talking about, that defense is there night in and night out, and that's incredibly you know, it's it's sustainable over just great three-point shooting. I mean, look at uh Alabama, they're sort of predicated. Uh, on on making three pointers and got their head kicked in by Oklahoma, who's really not a good team, um, and that it can get you like that. And so, where do they go? Somebody has to step up, and hopefully Olivier could be that guy. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's gonna be fun to watch these next couple of months. I mean, this is when college basketball really gets just locked in, uh, like you said. This is when people kind of start flipping that switch and really getting into it. Not everybody is is Charlie and can get all into an early November basketball <laughs> game against a non-conference team and you do it. It's fun and break it down minute by minute. I mean, truly, uh, this is kind of when everybody else catches up up to that, and so you kind of got a head start on, on all of that for people. But it's going to be a fun finish. It's going to be enjoy it. Don't get too stressed over it. You know, 
obviously this is a team with high expectations that you want to see finish the job. You want to see get to the final four. Um, could end up being another rematch with Purdue to kind of maybe avenge that. Uh, was that 2019? 19? Is that when that Sweet 16 game? Yes, was, uh, I, that would be. 20, 2018, 2019, I think. How would you see them matching up against Purdue if they do meet? The matchup with Zach Eady, who if, you know, for the the Tennessee fans that aren't basketball dorks like myself, he is probably the best player in America. He is an absolute giant that plays the five for Purdue. Uh, and he's just really excellent. Um, that matchup with Eurosh probably would be really interesting. Could Eurosh play effective defense, be able to rebound the basketball? Um, I, I watched them play Michigan state some on Sunday, actually, and they, oh man, they're hard to beat. I mean, they're a really, really complete team. Um, I mean, you, you just look at the the Kim Palm ratings. They're just a little more uh, balanced currently than Tennessee. They have the number four offensive efficiency and the number 17 defensive efficiency, while Tennessee has the number one defensive efficiency and the number 33 offensive efficiency. Um, if they can have more games like that Texas game, obviously that will go up. But they're, Purdue is just more balanced. But do I think Purdue is the better team? Tennessee's deeper. I, I would put it that way. If you can get bench production, if you can stop ED down low, it's all there for Tennessee to beat them. But, man, they're whew, they're tough. I mean, obviously, they've lost one game all season. So um, there's a reason they're number one. Uh, but, yeah, we'll just, just have to see how it goes. But I to me sort of the uh, the thesis statement of this whole thing. This team feels different to me. And again, there have been multiple coaches that have had that. He's the best coach that's never reached a Final Four. Well, Mark Few finally reached a Final Four. He hasn't won that national title yet. Now he's the best coach that hasn't won a national title. Rick Barnes, he's reached a Final Four, only one in his whole career. He's now sort of saddled with that. You've had great teams and never won a national title. Well, you haven't won a national title until you do. And this team... It, just feels like it this this has to be one of the best he's he's ever had and very arguably the best he's ever had at Tennessee. Can they get that go-to score, figure it out on the offensive end consistently where they're not going to get caught uh, you know, lacking in in a big moment in a tournament game. So um, seems like they're fun hitting their stride at the right time. So seems like they're, I hope they're so. kind of answering some of those questions. Hopefully that bodes well for February yeah. and, and into March. And Jeff actually says what I think would be a big factor right here. It's a weird year in college basketball. It's a down year across the entire sport. That's absolutely true. There's no great team. I mean, people people have been circle jerking over Alabama, and uh, they got absolutely annihilated by Oklahoma. There's no great team this season. Uh, and, and Alabama right now, they their entire play is based around a freshman, which good luck with that. You know, it, it can't happen. You can't have an Anthony Davis where they're just absolutely transcendent and, you know, they they win a national title based off of a kid that is 18 years old. But on other, you know, <laughs> on, on planet Earth where Alabama exists, you have a bad shooting night and they get beat by 30. So, um, all right, let's talk about this at that basketball game that Tennessee won and it was awesome in an incredible environment. The students were back, which was really nice. You could tell on TV. It was markedly louder than any other home game Tennessee's had this season. Um, 
Josh Heupel showed up with all of the recruits in tow uh, from from another junior day, the second junior day of January. Um, and he not only showed up with them, but he showed up with all the newcomers for the basketball team, the early enrollees. Uh, and he spoke at the game during a timeout. And uh, I just wanted to talk about this because I, I thought it was awesome. I heard, I was listening to uh, Tony Basilio does a post game after basketball games. I was listening to that. Somebody that was there, I, I wasn't there. I was just watching on TV, but somebody that was, that was there said that the biggest cheer of the entire night, as loud as it was, the biggest cheer of the entire night was when Heupel took the floor and took the mic. Um, and so let's, let's just listen to what he had to say. And then we'll talk, we'll talk about uh, Heupel and recruiting at the game. Ball Nation, how we doing? God, I love showing up, man. You guys show up, show out, 365 days out of the year. I don't care if it's kneeling right here at TBA, man. You guys are awesome. Student body, absolute best section in the country, man. Really proud of what these guys have, have uh, accomplished in 2022. None of that happens without your guys' support. The journey's been fun the first two years. The best is yet to come. These guys right here, our new enrollees, let's give them one more round of applause. They just got started. And as we open up the 23 season in Nashville, we need to show up and make sure we got the right shade of orange inside of that stadium when we kick off. Let's be loud. Let's finish it. Let's go show the entire country what the right shade of orange is and who the real UT is. That's so likable. Yeah, I mean... When when Josh Heupel was first hired, or when that news broke uh, two years ago this week, I remember, you know, kind of, I wasn't real familiar with Josh Heupel. Obviously knew who he was from his time at Missouri and knew that he had taken over there at UCF. But my perception was a lot like everybody else's perception. Like, okay, he took over Scott Frost's team. And, and we later found out that Scott Frost just kind of caught lightning in a bottle that one year. Wasn't, wasn't that great of a coach in Nebraska, but... I watched some of his press conferences and there wasn't a ton of energy and it was like, all right, is this really the guy that's going to connect with Tennessee fans? I mean, just you put the football stuff aside. I always think about how, how they're going to connect. You know, Butch Jones didn't really go over that well because he was just used from Michigan and the he just wasn't a great fit in Knoxville. Right. Pruitt honestly fit better. I mean, he felt like an SEC guy. He had an accent. He he said all the right things. He kind of brought a, a different demeanor to the team. Uh, you can look back in retrospect and, and pick at things that he said, but at the time, I think most people were kind of all in on his personality and the way that he connected with fans. Hypo is it, – it's hard to explain, but he seems like a, almost like a different person than what I saw at UCF, and it's like he's still growing into the coach that he's going to be. I'm not sure he's even there yet. I think he's still – going to keep progressing into into a different personality not a different personality but just maybe a bigger personality he seems so comfortable with himself when he goes out there and he's speaking off the cuff it's not some rehearsed marks i mean remarks he 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 just kind of spoke from the heart and connected with fans immediately you start talking about the right shade of orange the real ut and that stuff's gonna get people fired up all the time when you're talking about texas especially with rick barnes history with texas just even more you know, attention on that game and even more important at, at that moment, that, that clip there of him talking at halftime really kind of opened my eyes to, yeah, this guy is a lot different than when he first arrived. And 
hey, take from that what you will. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good sign that that he's one happy at Tennessee and two fully embracing everything about Tennessee in a way that really no coach has since Philip Fulmer was roaming the sidelines. I mean, guys tried. I mean, I'll give Butch credit. He he wore orange everywhere. He embraced it, but he kind of he tried to change things up too much. He tried to put his own spin on things just a little too much and. And Pruitt tried too. I mean, he I remember how mad he got at that Alabama game when when the officials kind of screwed Tennessee over a couple of times and Pruitt was there saying that's what happens when you play these guys. Like he was he gave it his all, but something about Hypo, it's like he doesn't even have to try. He he's just kind of grown into it slowly and it, it's been perfect. It it really is incredible. It it reminds me honestly of of Tony Vitello, too. Um they're kind of this duo that I, I think have had a pretty similar path, both young coaches, that Tennessee was their first big opportunity. Now, Vitello was an assistant before, and he became Tennessee's head coach. Heupel obviously was head coach at UCF before, but you know the first big opportunity at a major school um, in a major conference. And, you know, Vitello, like I was at his very first press conference, and it was a little awkward. You know, everybody was just like, who's this guy with this flowy haircut that's <laughs> showing up? Like, I I, I like the, the cut of this guy's jib, so to speak, but can he coach baseball? And then he's become, I as far as Tennessee fans go, I mean, he's the most likable dude on campus. He obviously has unbelievable teams, and he has this bravado and this awesome just, you know, he, he plays into, like, the living meme that he is, mm-hmm. kind of. Oh, yeah. And it, it's so endearing and so awesome. And he just, he gets it. He like gets the whole Tennessee thing. He understands the power of this fan base and he uses it. I think Heupel over the course of this 11 win season discovered that it, it was uh, him getting comfortable with what all of this craziness is because obviously winning 11 games is going to get the Tennessee fan base to love you period. Like that's the best season since 2001 in football. We know everything that happened like that's going to get this fan base to be, you're going to get the loudest cheer at a basketball game where Tennessee want to be the top 10 team, you know, like that's, that's how much you're going to be loved at this school and to see him build that comfort level and to get the whole, like, we're the real UT, the real orange, like that's, it's so great. And I just, oh man, I, I can't, I can't like this enough because the, the dude just keeps doing stuff even in the off season, right? Where I just go, yes, this is so great. Keep doing this. And it, and it goes to uh, sort of the overarching thing that we've talked about with this athletic department um, where they're all pulling in the same direction. Everybody's getting along. Tony Vitello was at this game and he looked, I don't know what he was wearing. It had like a, it was a Euros Plavsic t-shirt. Uh, Dude, but he it, was so into the game too. I don't, there was a picture like Dick Vitello posted some photos and there's one where he's, taking a photo with with the play-by-play desk and people were kind of leaned into the photo, right? Kind of trying to get into it. Yeah. And down at the very end, you can see Vitello courtside. And this is like during a, maybe a timeout or something, commercial break. People were kind of relaxed in their chairs and he's the only guy that's like leaned, hunched over, like intently watching the court and everything that's happening. I mean, that guy's such a competitor and it's just so... Like, like, I hate to keep saying it, but it's so genuine what you get from Vitello, Hypo, and Rick Balls. Like, all three personalities, and they've all embraced Tennessee in their own unique way. Like, you're not going to get Barnes being over the top and, like, out there just acting like Tony Vitello wearing a headband or maybe even some of the bravado of Josh Hypo. You're not going to get Hypo dressed like Vitello. You're not going to get Vitello 
you know, out there like Rick Barnes, uh, talking to the media the way that Rick Barnes does. Like they all have their own unique approach and it, they're true to themselves. They're not trying to be somebody that they're not. And it just works. Like those three complement each other so well. And it's it's been so fun to see the way that they support each other. I mean, seeing Vitello at those basketball games, it's awesome. I mean, it, and as popular as Tennessee baseball is right now, too, it just it, it, it puts the brand out there in general so much more because they're going to show him every time he's at the game they're going to talk about it they're going to show hypo when he's there batello when he comes to football games and uh it 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 really is like a golden age of tennessee athletics that we're entering and it's important i think that people remember that because what you know you don't know you're in the good old days until you're out of them type deal like you're in them right now so embrace it enjoy it you know have fun with it talk junk to other fan bases whatever it is like this is what you've been waiting for so so you know lean all the way into it i mean and i'll i'll say to go back to barnes a little bit to to that point like for the people that are just like it's a final four or screw this guy no <laughs> like appreciate what's happening here because it can be like villanova and jay wright where you win two national titles in the last few years and then the guy leaves and the thing just implodes it can be exactly that. Like, don't forget how tenuous all of this is. And I, I don't think anybody's going to forget with football as of right now. Now, maybe if Hypo keeps winning at this level for another three, four years, sure, we'll, we'll get a little jaded. It happens everywhere. You know, you, you end up being like Alabama fan. You win all those national titles. And when Saban loses one game, you get pissed. Like, it's everything's relative. But yes, don't, don't forget that this it really is when you think back to like, what was, what was just a garbage year? And the, you know, they're not that far in the past. What in between? Honestly, uh, just look at 2020. I mean, the COVID. Well, sure. Yeah. Football wasn't good. They were going to miss the basketball tournament, the NCAA tournament yep. that, that spring, if it doesn't get canceled. Baseball was kind of, it hadn't really burst onto the national scene the way it did. Like it was building steam. Like we talked to Ben McKee good. last week and, you know, he talked about the, you know, the buildup that he saw covering the sport every day. And then it, it got to the point where now everybody's, you know, all in on Tennessee baseball. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that really there wasn't a lot of national relevancy in, in 2020 at all for Tennessee. Yeah, That's just three years ago, two, three that, years ago. That recently. I, I mean, I, I was thinking back to when did Tyndall get fired? 15, 14, 15? 15. 15. So you had, yeah, Tyndall get fired. Butch had blown that season when he honestly had a team that could have been in the playoff. Yeah. Um, you you did go nine and four, I guess. But yeah, like you should have beat Oklahoma. You should have beat Florida. Should've exactly. Beat that that season was should have beat Alabama. <laughs> that yeah. Year. That season was painful, even though it was it was better than some of the others. But um, you know, you just think and then obviously baseball back then was just a it was nothing. It was just a non-factor essentially at Tennessee. And you just think of how far you've come since then. Like, don't lose that perspective. Everything is relative. Don't lose that perspective because this this is it. You are living in the good old days at this point. And if, and if just you just get the Lady Vols in uh, the right, because that was tough to watch. So that that's like the one thing that needs to. I'm not going to lie. I If this season continues the way that it's going, we're going to need Danny to maybe find us a new coach for the Lady Vols. <laughs> I, that's, that's a touchy subject. It is. It is. But it also is what it is, in, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know. I don't like holding holding like fan superiority over people. 
but I had my family had season tickets to Lady Vols games my entire childhood. I mean, I sat every it was a Sunday ritual. Go to church, go to the Lady Vol basketball game after church during basketball season. Like that I did and I met Pat Summit and I know all those teams and all those players and that rich tradition. And I mean, she she built women's basketball. She built the sport. And you still have, I mean, just look at how many people showed up to that UConn game. 14,000 people. You still got it. It's still here. And just go out and pay somebody to coach this basketball team that's <laughs> that's one of the best coaches in the sport. Just do it. Just go and do that. It's what you should have done before. It's what Phil should have done. I, I love Kelly Harper. She was the linchpin on some of the best teams Tennessee uh, Tennessee's women's basketball team has ever had. I mean, those Lady Vols, the one in the late nineties, she, she was running point and you know, I love her. She's not the best coach that be, could be coaching this team. So just a side diatribe there after they got uh, their teeth kicked in by UConn. Um, anywho, as far as hype <laughs> at this basketball game goes, I love it. It was uh, it was a great moment that just shows between him and Vitello and everything that just shows the synergy and everything great that's going on right now. Um, and and I wanted to mention it, but then it also goes along with this recruiting weekend. And at this point, we we could go into everybody that was there. You had uh, you had some some real dudes there, uh, Demirian Franklin and like some other like top level guys. But on on Wednesday. Again, I, I never like to reveal the guests that we're going to have before it happens because I don't want to, you know, if it ends up falling apart, I don't want anybody, you know, to be named. Uh, we have a very good recruiting guest, someone who is very much in the know, has great information, uh, and they're going to be coming up on Wednesday. So watch out for that on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and We will get into the nitty gritty of what happened this weekend um, on, on the midweek show um, that we've been doing. So uh, just watch out for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you won't miss that when it comes. But uh, a really great guest that knows uh, Tennessee recruiting extremely well. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. So, I, uh, I did think one one thing real quick about the recruiting weekend, not nothing too in-depth. But I, I did think it was interesting. You think about quarterbacks, right? You got Nico, but with college football recruiting, you always got to be looking for that next guy, especially with the portal depth. I mean, you just, after Joe Milton's gone next year, who is the next guy? I mean, after 2023, right? Like, who is in 2024? It's Nico and who? So you, you got to have always be recruiting that position. They had George McIntyre come in. It's a local guy, you know, from Brentwood, from the Nashville area. Number top 50 player in the country. Number one player, I think, in the state in the 2025 class. I think Six so. foot five. I mean, that's a guy that I feel like you've got to have him end up at Tennessee. I know Vanderbilt's kind of in the mix there. I think he's got some family connections. <laughs> you cannot lose a top in-state player like that to Vanderbilt, especially at the quarterback position. So it'd be no. interesting to see if that ends up being like Tennessee's guy in that class. I think it's still a little too early to determine. I think maybe by this fall and moving into the spring, we'll know for sure who their 2025 guy is that they're going to kind of go all in to get like they did with Nico. But I've, you got to feel like if you have that guy in state that he's going to be pretty high on that list. Absolutely. I mean, there was a whole set of dudes that are going to be really key for the future and really, really guys that you want to take advantage of this 11 win season and, 
you know, I, I think you can speak to them through great results like that. Like that's really where you can get some of these guys is by being like, Hey, we're back in the, the top echelon of college football. Um, there was a lot of guys like that that were here this weekend. Uh, and the, the good news is compared to the weekend that happened with the Kentucky game, you went out and you kicked Texas's butt and you showed them a great time. Hypo went out there, got a giant cheer and it wasn't just Hypo. It was the young guys. So they, Obviously, this was very strategic and a great marketing move in general on Heupel's part or whoever made this decision. Um, but they brought in those the new guys and in front of the recruits had the new kids on the football team get a giant applause at the basketball game. I mean, it's, it's very purposeful and that's great. I, I love it. I think it's awesome. So you showed them a really good time. Showed them a great basketball game, and and hopefully it translates into dudes coming to Tennessee. Those, those basketball games are becoming huge recruiting weapons. I mean, the, yes. not a lot of places have that kind of atmosphere. I mean, there's a lot of great college basketball atmospheres, obviously, but most of those places aren't football schools, right? I mean, most yeah. you're not going to, you know, you might go to Chapel Hill and and Carolina, UNC's. They they've you know they're done better in in football with Matt Brown there, and they've recruited pretty well. But that's kind of not really what they're known for. Uh, Tennessee to have that kind of atmosphere to show football recruits in January. I mean, they did it with Nico last year and he ended up at Tennessee. I remember when we were watching those videos of him attending that basketball game, we we're like, Oh my God, like Tennessee might actually have a chance to get this kid. And then don't, don't forget you know, he referenced the basketball game that he visited in his commitment video. Mm -hmm. He talked about changing how his name. Yes, they chanted his name and he was and they uh they I don't know if it was in the commitment video, but they talked to his mom and she said that was like really special and such a crazy thing. Like, don't discount that I, I think pe people probably overemphasize um those recruits seeing a loss. Like there were some people that were like, Oh, they saw that Kentucky game and it was so bad. And like, eh, I don't know, that counts that much. But don't underemphasize how that environment like you're essentially showing them the power of this fan base and what they're going to be playing in front of in football. Cause you, you look at what's there at the basketball game and you go, Oh, well it's going to be 10 times this. Plus you want to go, games, you want to go to those events. If you're on campus, if you're an athlete at Tennessee and it's January and you're a football player, you want to go to a basketball game. that has got a lot of energy. I mean, if you look, if you look on Instagram and you follow any of the players, there's a bunch of current players that were at that game on saturday just sitting in the stands in random places like they got tickets i saw like kamal hadden on instagram trying to find a ticket to the game like they were hard to come by and it wasn't <laughs> really? just simple for yeah for a football player to just walk in i mean you think it's hundred and some players on a team it's probably not that difficult for joe milton to get a ticket but maybe <laughs> maybe some others but regardless i mean that's also a selling point because it's the middle of the winter yeah, let's go watch this Tennessee game. It's got a ton of energy, uh, you know, at six o'clock on a Saturday. That's that's more attractive than you go to, you know, Georgia and you want to watch a basketball game there on a Saturday. It's not quite the same environment at all. So I, I think that yeah. can be a selling point as well. For sure. I, without a doubt. And obviously that's not the end all be all. There's a lot more that goes into recruiting than that. Sure. But it's just, just another weapon that they have. Ho hopefully it translates. That's... That's all I know, because, I mean, uh, we, we already talked about, like, for, for guys that aren't football recruits, Tennessee, from this football season, everything that's happened has become a much more attractive school. Admissions or uh, applications to the school, like, went through the roof um, in, in the last few months, and it's just crazy. I also think it's been – I was saying this to my wife. 
I think it's become like cool to be a Tennessee fan for a few different things. I think like baseball and football and basketball being good. I think primarily like baseball is very flashy and it just, you know, it it just looked really fun to be a Tennessee fan with that baseball team last year. Vitello is like really good looking and charismatic and everything. Uh, And then football obviously with the Olympic wins, but also have like, like cultural touchstones like um, Morgan uh, Morgan Wallen made the song about being a, a Tennessee fan. It's about, can you say it this way? It's about like a, a, an Alabama fan girl, like cucking Alabama to like be his girlfriend. And she becomes a Tennessee fan. <laughs> Is that not not to be crass. There's quite but. a few. There's like quite a few country music songs with reference to Tennessee. And yeah, you know, what I don't know people's musical taste. I'm not a huge music critic type guy. Like if, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. You know, whatever. But uh that's a huge genre of music, especially yeah. in the South. And yeah, it's littered with references to Tennessee. I mean, it's like you hear songs all the time. Even if it's not like the main part of the song, there's still like little references. And Morgan Wallen is obviously you know, uh, from East Tennessee and, and one of the main uh, participants in that. But yeah, it, I mean, that is, you're right. It is like a cultural thing right now. And it's, uh, it is. And, and uh, who's uh, it's Connor, Connor Smith. He has yes. one kind of the same thing. A couple. I think he's got a couple. Yeah. About being a Tennessee fan. And then, then there was a, a girl too, that was about how she was, she the Alabama fan on Morgan Wallen's end becoming a Tennessee fan. I think there's also Something like that, that yeah. too. But, yeah, there's 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 a few. There's several other ones even beyond that that maybe not aren't quite as famous. But um, yeah, it's it's a huge thing. It, it, it's a fun thing to watch. Like you see, you see stuff like Thomas Rhett, who grew up in Georgia and uh, is a, obviously a huge Georgia fan, and then married a Tennessee fan. And every now and then you see him in Tennessee shirts. Like that's always fun to kind of hold over Georgia fans that you know one of their fans or whatever or. or Luke Bryan, I know people can't stand him, but a big Georgia guy, then you'll see him like have playing Rocky Top or something on a concert in Tennessee. Like it that, yeah. that stuff's that stuff matters. Like it all it's all like little ads for Tennessee that just kind of seep into people's minds and uh, you know, it, it, it takes off from there. Yeah, I've seen this one too. Matt Stillwell. He has a song called Vol for Life. I think they played that at like a basketball game I went to something before. I mean, I might be wrong about that, but yeah, as we said, there's a bunch of them. And I, I think it's it has kind of made, yeah, being a Tennessee fan cool when like the biggest dude in country music is making a song about how he's getting girls to be Tennessee fans. <laughs> like that's uh, anywho. Um just thought that was great. Very cool thing. Um love seeing Hypel just continue his sort of transformation into this uh really great coach that it seems like uh he's gonna be. So uh otherwise Let's finish as far as basketball or sorry, football goes with this uh, or maybe two things here. Quick update on the kid from Ole Miss, Davison Igbenosin. He was a transfer uh, from Ole Miss. He would certainly help Tennessee's secondary. Um, he, it seemed like at first Tennessee is sort of the favorite out front, but then he took a visit to UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, I think NIL is a big piece of this just from I scoured the message boards and looked through everything. I think you have too, Zach. It seems like NIL is a big part of it. And uh, I think it, it uh, there was a crystal ball 
from a guy at 247. He's not an Ohio State guy, but he predicted Ohio State for uh, for the landing spot for Igbenosin. You know, the, the guy is not an Ohio State guy, and take it for what it is, but a lot of times those guys kind of hear on back channels like things that happened, and usually they don't make those predictions unless they're pretty sure that's what the case is going to be. So as of now, as sort of up and down and all over the places that whole situation has been, it looks like Ohio State's going to be the spot. So eh, yeah. you can't, can't win them all. No, we kind of started getting a bad vibe the moment that he went out to UCLA and was kind of making the rounds there. It's like he's went on this trip. And and I I don't know exactly what he's looking for. I know the NIL rumors are out there, but I don't want to be like the Tennessee guy that says, okay, Tennessee didn't get him. It was because of NIL, because that that conversation goes both ways. And I think it's a it can be a tired conversation because NIL is part of it, but it's so much more than that. It's the relationships. It's everything else, where they want to be, how they see themselves fitting into the system, going to the NFL. And right now, honestly, like, I, you know, you hate to say it, but if you're a defensive back on that side of the ball, it's hard to pick Tennessee maybe over Ohio State. When you see guys from Ohio State playing, you know, in the AFC championship game on that side of the, the ball, you know, on Sunday night, uh, hopefully Tennessee can get there. I mean, they've got Alante Taylor that had a really good year, but, Ohio State just right now, especially with the current staff, they don't have a big body of work. Ohio State has has more to offer a DB, I think, as far as, hey, this is what we have done. These are the guys that we have sent to the NFL. This is the guys that are starting in the NFL. You know, you see, you know, Von Bell out there who should have went to Tennessee. Thanks, Derek Dooley and, and Butch Jones. But they have that to sell, and Tennessee doesn't. So it's going to be tough. Like, they're going to have to – develop some guys in the NFL type players and prove that they can get guys to the NFL before they start winning these battles. Cause right now you can like Tennessee and Ohio state the same and the tiebreakers probably going to come down to Ohio state right now. It's just, it's just the way it is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you never know what these kids and uh, the narrative that we've seen on the Tennessee side is that he's been, he's kept everything really on the down low, which I honestly, as far as recruits go, I, I sort of love that when recruits do that is just, you keep people guessing. Well, they said that's the way really a lot of the transfers are because yeah. they've been around the media. They've they've been through the recruiting process already. They kind of see how their words can be used, you know, for good or bad or whatever. And and they kind of know like, hey, I'll just keep this close to the vest and gives them more leverage and NIL talks or, or any any talks really. So that that's pretty common that we're seeing that from transfers where it's really hard to get a gauge on where they're going to go. It's why we've had so many surprises. Dudes have just popped up out of nowhere and committed to schools and signed with schools. And a lot of times, you know, it's already decided when they go into the portal, they pretty much know where they're heading. This situation's a little different where he's kind of went on this tour and we're not really sure, you know, even with this crystal ball, I mean, he could maybe decide that he wants to go to Tennessee because he's visited there before and didn't feel like he needed to come back. He might decide he wants to be in Los Angeles with, you know, enjoyed that trip. It really could go a number of different ways and i think the crystal ball prediction is probably a pretty good idea a pretty good get he's gonna put ohio state but i wouldn't like i wouldn't put money on it just based on what we've seen from him so far yeah i think he'll go there just judging from you know the history of those crystal balls again 
typically you don't see those guys throw those out. I mean, they don't want to look stupid, just like any of us. They want to no, look they, like they're good at their job. And so they don't, they might even say like confidence level is 50%. Mm-hmm. It's better than 50% a lot of the time. Um, and so I, you know, if you go to Ohio state, look, I get it. You want to go play in a little squishy baby pillow league and you want to win football games that, you know, all you want to win a bunch of football games that don't actually matter and then lose the ones that do. I get it. You know, to each their own, you could come to the sec and actually play some meaningful games and like win things that people actually watch on TV. That would be cool. But you know, again, you have your preferences and that's fine. Uh, this kid's probably going to go to Ohio state again. Can't win them all is what it is. Uh, and uh, unless you have anything else on that, the final thing can be this tight ends coach situation. We were just going to essentially say, where is the tight ends coach still Tennessee still doesn't have one. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like, uh, you know, you've heard for weeks. It's the the names that have been thrown around. Jeff Ferris, the guy at UCLA is the main one. I kind of think from all the things that I've seen, I think, that's who it's going to end up being. But there is like zero indication at all um, of of where Heupel might be going exactly. When he might be doing this, there's, I mean, I like I've heard guys that are big time insiders that are like, I don't know. I don't know when, what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. So it's, uh, you know, just a little tidbit on football to add in there at the end. Yeah, I get the vibe that Josh Heupel's converse, like interview process is a very slow-going thing. I don't know if you saw Joey Hosley talk to WNML earlier this month about the process of him getting promoted. He kind of told how it happened. It's like it was never really like Josh Heupel asked if he wanted to do it or never really went through this formal interview job offer type deal. They just had conversations. And eventually Heupel was like, so we're going to do this thing? Hosley's like, yeah, I guess we will. And that was that. He signed the contract, and, and that's how the hire was made. So, you know, I'm sure Heupel's talked to guys and maybe gauged their interest or maybe kind of tried to get a feel for you – know, Heupel's a really smart guy. Uh, and it's, I'm not just saying that because it's Tennessee. He, we've heard a lot of comments from different assistants to talk about just how really smart and intelligent he is. Like, he, he has good self-awareness. He knows how things are taken. He's very aware of the media coverage and all that, and I really don't think he cares how a tight ends coach is covered, but he doesn't just do stuff like at, at a moment's notice. He's not going to do like Jeremy Pruitt and hire a guy without even really interviewing him, you know, when you hired Jimmy Brumbaugh to be the defensive line coach and then fired him four games into the season. He's not going to do something like that. Like, he's going to be very patient with the hire, so... I'm sure he's talked to people and just kind of gauged where they're at, and then... It'll probably be just like a random Thursday and Pete Thamel or somebody, some national reporter just throws it out there that he's made this hire. And and I still kind of think it'll be Jeff Ferris. There's really no insight there. It's just that's the one name that's kind of kept popping back up. And everything makes sense there. From Knoxville, family's still here. There's a David Cutcliffe guy. So he kind of has this, you know, loose connection to Tennessee in that aspect and as well as being from Knoxville. And his mindset really lines up with what Hypo likes to do offensively, very aggressive, likes to spread guys out and, and, and get guys in space. So I think all that lines up 
Otherwise, you might it, it's that or it's an internal hire or it's somebody that none of us have even thought about. And I've tried to even scour those possibilities. Like I looked at, you know, was it the guy from the Chargers, Kevin Coder, Codger, however you say his last name, tight ends coach. That was a grad assistant at, at Tennessee. I thought maybe they can, you know, somehow sway him to come to Knoxville. Do you mean maybe a co-OC title or something? I don't know. There's lots of different possibilities there, but I've you know, reached out to people and, and heard that he's not in the mix at all. So it's like, well, there's another dead end. And, uh, you know, it, it could very well be somebody that pops up out of nowhere, but I, I tend to think it'll be Ferris. I do too. And when it happens, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but just uh, just wanted to throw it in and say that we've gone in another week without a Titans coach at Tennessee. Doesn't seem like it's affected much. Um, but of course, I mean, surely you, like by spring ball, right? Like you oh, gotta you have, have a to have one in, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, I mean, it's coming up. <laughs> the clock's ticking. <laughs> uh, it's it, weirdly not that far away. It's already February. Um, as yeah, of, the spring game's gonna be April fifteenth, I believe. So we should see spring practice probably starting mid March, maybe in that March fifteenth to twentieth, yeah, area. I would think. So what, like six six weeks? Yeah. Till that begins, um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it when it happens. So again, guest on Wednesday that I think everyone, if if you're a recruiting head, you're definitely gonna want to listen to that one for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so look out for it. Subscribe to the oh, YouTube channel. Make sure you real don't quick miss it. before we go. What did you think of Gino's halftime comments at the Lady Vols game? Ugh, I, I mean, I know what you thought. And not, I cannot stand Gino or Emma. I. He, to me, he had like one moment where I was like, "Ah, eh, Gino's all right. And it was when Pat Summit died. Oh, yeah. And he was like one of the first people to like mm-hmm. give condolences, make a statement and stuff. But before that, that guy has been a just flaming douchebag for his entire time. Going back to that rivalry with him and Pat, I mean, they... I, I always thought, and I mean, I really do think this is true. Like they were never like friends. That was, mm-hmm. it wasn't like Rick and Rick and Calipari now. Like it wasn't, you know, haha, you, you got me this time. Uh, I think they really didn't like each other. And I, he's just always been deeply unlikable. And it's just what in the world? Or he was like, we didn't do anything different. It was all the refs, the refs. And that's what happens they, when you come down here. That's the one that got me. Ugh. I'm, I just screw that. Especially guy. when we've seen Tennessee get screwed so many times in Knoxville. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's almost like it, a running joke at this point. That That's one of the main things. Gino himself is one of the main reasons why I so badly want to get that lady ball basketball program back to where it should be is because screw that guy. Go and win. I mean, he hasn't won a title in like seven years or something now. Still, I actually looked at that before this game. I was surprised to see how long it had been. Um, but, you know, it, you got to beat this guy again. Don't let he's going to retire soon. I mean, he's getting old. I don't know how much longer he has left, but it can't be that long. And dude, please like this. Don't let him get away with this. I hate it so much. Ugh. He makes makes me like I there's at least like you know Nick Nick Saban I cannot stand and but he has moments where I'm like huh yeah 
That's eh. yeah. You know, that's cute. he makes good points. I mean, he's a good coach. He's going to yeah. make some good points. And, and you you respect that he's that great. Just Gino, just ugh, he's just, just hateful and just ugh, not a pleasant here. person. Yeah, not a pleasant person to to want to no. be around at all. Cannot stand it. Cannot stand him at all. Please get a coach in here. They a lot of Tennessee that. fans don't even want them to play that game at all. They they hate that they play it. Yeah, well, and and of course, with the if you know the background of how the fallout happened with Pat and they, Gino was being real real sneaky with letting his recruits go and visit the ESPN campus in Connecticut and all of this stuff, you know, is doing so. It he's just gross. He's gross. I I am kind of in that camp. Just don't. Uh, yeah. Why even give him the satisfaction? Yeah. Just don't. Even if we did have a team again. I the win that I would want to have over him would be in the NCAA tournament like yeah. that. Ugh, gross. That guy sucks. Um, I think that's it for this episode. We we did want to throw at the end that uh, former Tennessee quarterback JT Shroud he's going back to Arkansas State. We mentioned it at the beginning, but uh, oh, that's what would make you and go back to play for Butch Jones again. Well, it's so well, you know, he he never actually played for Butch, right? He he was actually in uh, Pruitt's first first class oh that's right. right he didn't that's he true the one that Tyson I, I thought he was the very last year of butch california but according to espn's pete thamel that that broke the news that he had committed to he's transferring from colorado to arkansas state part of the reason he went there is because he had teammates at tennessee 2018 2019 uh that spoke highly of butch jones and said he was a good coach and a good person and they endorsed him in that way so that's why shrout is going there. No. I want I would love to know which players those were because I, like there's a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to Butch. There's guys like Josh Dobbs and some of those that are that are fine with him, that are good with him, that had a good relationship with Butch. And then there's some that didn't. Like that we've seen parents and other players say the opposite. So it, it was a polarizing figure. I would like to know which ones suggested that. Or maybe they just don't like JT Shrout and they're, I don't know, <laughs> giving him bad advice. If you're a former player for Butch and you liked him, come on this show and tell us about it and why. Because <laughs> Yeah, I would genuinely like to hear the insight because there's insight we don't know about. Yeah, I, I, I can't stand him and I have talked to former players that can't stand him. So, and they're... And I know, I know at least one of his former assistants that was there for a little while uh wasn't a fan either like i know that yes. firsthand so yeah yeah opinions are mixed uh well good luck to that young man um there we'll leave it at that charlie burris zach reagan any anything left for the good folks at home zach before we bounce no i think we emptied the tank out here but i'm sure there'll be pretty plenty more in the rest of the week go and subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you don't miss our uh, our show midweek show with our recruiting specialist. Who who could it be? Spin the wheel of the recruiting people at Tennessee, and uh, and see who pops up. And uh, we'll reveal that on Wednesday. So subscribe there so that you don't miss it. And we'll get into the nitty gritty of uh, the the junior day that just happened over the weekend and a whole lot more. Charlie Burr, Zach, Reagan, A to Z Sports, Big Orange Podcast. You made it this far. You know where to find us on the social medias. Go and download Superbook Sports, that app, and bet on the big game. The game 
that I can't say the name of. You know the game that's about to happen in the in with the teams that we watched play yesterday. Uh, and go bet on that game on Superbook Sports. Thank you again for watching. To everybody who commented, we really, really, really appreciate it. You, you make this show go. You're too good to us. And uh, we'll talk to all y'all uh, in a couple of days. See you guys then.